I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Beauty is a Bitch. I am so excited for today's episode because it has to do everything with food, how we perceive food, and how it just messes us up. So, but we're going to unmess ourselves, or as I have been saying, unfuck ourselves. So um, I just, I'm going to introduce my, my guest. Her name is Elise Mucellus, and she holds four certificates in holistic health and integrative healing. She's, an, she's on the board of directors for the Environmental Working Group and has been a National Institute of Health grant recipient for five years in a row. She's a frequent speaker. She's also the host of the popular Once Upon a Time Food Story podcast. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Oh, The Oprah Magazine, Health, Self, L, Well and Good. It goes on and on. And uh, we are going to talk today about her new book, which I did read from cover to cover, uh, Food Story, Rewrite the Way You Eat, Think, and Live. How are you doing today, Elise? Hi, Lauren. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I've already had so much fun chatting with you before. I know. We, talk, we should have recorded it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it would have felt like everyone was just having like coffee or matcha with us. Exactly. I know. So, but I wanted just, I'm just going to give a little bit, just a, a little intro about your book before we really delve into it. But so when it comes to food, you say everyone has a story, the way you feel about food, think about food, deprive yourself or overindulge the specific things you crave. There's a story behind it. Your food story is a big swirl of many things, how you were raised, the messages you received from influential people like your parents and absorbed from middle, from media your positive memories and your painful memories, it all ties into how we think about food and it directly impacts our health and happiness. The bottom line, finding peace with food isn't just about eating more kale, drinking more water, or doing more yoga. It's about unlocking your inner narrative about what you eat and why you eat what you do. So we need to understand our food story is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I love that you read that. And you know, it was written a while ago because uh-huh. you know, the pu- publishing I know. Um, world work. But I was just, as you were reading, I'm like, yep. That's it. That is it in a nutshell. It is. It really is. And it's really, it is a nutshell of your book. I mean, now, now we can go. Just kidding. (laughs) We're done. Um, But can you explain what you, what a food, what is a food story? Sure. Okay. Uh, So you did a good job of explaining it, but let me, let me dial it back and explain how I came up with the concept of food story. So that'll then encompass what a food story is. Okay. When I was working with clients, this is way back in 2012. Um, 2011, 2012, I was really focused on what people were eating, you know, eat more greens, you know, all of that. And it was helping a little bit, but then I just felt like I have all these mostly women, you know, smart, sophisticated, savvy women. And they, you know, they just weren't getting it. Like something, there was a missing piece of the nutrition puzzle, I like to say. So I ended up reading a book that talked about like, who we are as eaters and like how we eat. And, you know, now we talk about that a little bit more now, a little bit more these days, but 
it was so novel back then. And I was like, oh my gosh, wait, it isn't just about what we're eating. Right. And so I ended up getting certified in eating psychology, which gets into like the mind of the eater. And I had all these tools to transform my own, the way I related to food and then carry that on and, and help other people. And so I was very excited. And I'd say, so tell me about your relationship with food. And almost everybody would say this, like some version of, oh gosh, like don't get me started or it's complicated <laughs> or you could see their shoulders slump. And it was just, it was like, I asked the worst question in the world, you know? So I knew I had to say it in a different way. I knew I had to think about it differently. And this, like I said, it was like 2012 now to almost 2013. Oprah was talking about story. Brene Brown was kind of, you know, I think her book, Gift of Imperfections, had come out just yeah. about that time. And so story was in the collective. And I was like, okay, we've been talking about money story, love story, life story. We have a food story. And I realized that our food story is so much more than just us and food. It's the messages we've received growing up. It's the media, like you mentioned. It's all those meals. You know, it's you have heroes in your food story. You have villains in your food story. There's different themes and different chapters. And all of a sudden, when I started to think about it as a story, it became so much more dynamic. So I brought that to the people I was working with and say, tell me about your food story instead of tell me about your relationship with food. And people would say, wow, I never even thought about it as a story. But when you can think about it in that dynamic way, it really helps to alleviate some of the guilt and the shame because we think, oh, I have a willpower problem or there's a problem mm -hmm. with me and how I am with food. But then when you think of the story, you realize there's all these different elements that are coming into the picture and it's not just about you and food. And so it just, you know, it really stuck. And I just, I took it and ran with it and started helping people like dig into what's, you know, where it all started basically. Well, I, I like what you wrote in your book and you said your brain hears everything. You say your body hears it too. It's always listening. No sentence goes unheard. Like that really resonated with me because I over the course of the past year, I've done a lot of changing in the way I think and eat. And, and we discussed my, my food story a little bit, but, and I'll, I'll talk about it here a little bit too, but it, it really, we we're so mean to ourselves, you know, and I talk about with that we have to stop mean girling ourselves. And yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you, I love that you, you put in your book, there's eight disempowering food stories. I'm just going to list them off. There's a story of perfection. I can relate to that. I could relate to many, all, yeah. many of the yeah. eight. The story of shame. So those, you know, the people that they always feel like, you know, I'm disgusting. Uh, the story of confusion, which there's a lot of that right now, especially yeah. coming from that we hear it coming from all angles about food and diet and exercise. The story of escape. So some people use food to escape. The story of not enoughness. The story of overwhelm. I get that as a busy mom. The story of later, like I'll do this later. And then the story of despair. And it was interesting because I think I circled of the eight, I related to four. Yeah. So, crazy. I mean, well, it's, so the whole point of putting that in is because when you think about your food story, it's a lifetime of how you relate to food. And I wanted to give the reader some starting yep. place because once you start remembering, oh, wow, you know, ever since I was 10 mm -hmm. and went to Weight Watchers or with my mom, you know, I've always like looked for the perfect diet, for example. So, yeah, me too. Always, always. And when you tap into those memories, it's mm -hmm. like, 
then it triggers other memories. And so I wanted to give the reader a starting point with those themes and you're not like locked into them. And I'm sure when you said you related to four, they've probably come in and out at different points in your life. Right? Yeah. Or they're like two at a time and they're happening concurrently. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And so, so it's just to identify like, what, it, what are some of the stories you tell yep. yourself? Yeah. We I, all do. Like you said, there's that, what did, what did you call it? The inner mean girl, mean girl, yeah, inner, inner mean, mean girl. girl the things, yourself, the things yeah. you would only say to yourself and you would never say them to your best friend. Right. You would think yeah. you're a total asshole if you said them, but yeah, you're saying them to yourself. And like, why do we do that? I've really tried to stop doing that. I know. I know. And the, the thing is, is that we do it all the time so we that do. we don't, we don't recognize that we're doing it because it just becomes part of our, like I call it your inner narrative. Like it's just, it's part of your day. You're saying it. I mean, it's just like a, a hum almost, you know? It is. It is. It's noise. It's this noise. And there's one sense, there's, it was funny, you listed like these common limiting beliefs about food. And I, I was like checking off. You didn't ask us to check them off, but I did. And um, there's you one. an A plus. <laughs> I do? Okay, sorry. Yeah. I, I had fun. I dove into this head first. Um, I did a swan dive right into this book. Um, I, and one of them, and I wrote next to this one, I've been saying this since I was 10 years old. And the sentence says, I will be happy when I have the body I want. Okay, I'm in midlife and I'm like thinking, I got to accept this because pretty soon I'm going to be old and I'm going to look back and think like, why did I waste so much time being so focused on the same 10 pounds that I've lost and gained over and over again? Like at some point, this, this insanity has to stop, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, kind of, it's interesting that you bring that up because there's so many layers to that one. So uh, one is like just putting your life on hold. I'll be happy when, and you know, that doesn't happen. You have to work on your inner self first and then it usually reflects outwards and so sometimes, you know, I don't, it's funny because I don't talk about weight loss a lot, you know, because I, I feel like that, that there's, I want to help people get to the root of their issues, you know, and like, if we're just focusing on the outer physical form, you know, that it's, that is really not going to get to that. But oftentimes weight loss is a byproduct of being, you know, of, of resolving all this conflict that you have within yourself of changing the way that you talk to yourself because when you change your narrative, you also um, are less stressed. You know, that totally. is stressful. Totally. And, you know, I get into this not until chapter seven, but this is something I talk about all the time is that our thoughts can create a whole like cortisol response in our system. So that what that means is that you're, you know, spiking, spiking stress hormones, which get in the way of digestion, metabolism. Causes adrenal fatigue, which I have. Yeah. Do, oh, you I know. do have that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I did two podcasts on that. Yep. Totally. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I, yeah. I, I think I can relate to that though, but, but right. So our, if we have to, we have to create that peace within ourselves. Yes. Um, you know, before anything else can make us happy. Well, I think what you're saying is that it's, it's more than the food it, it, a food is, is just the top layer of it. It's this inner dialogue we have with ourselves and our relationship with food and how it affects everything. I mean, it really does. I mean, not just how you look, how you talk to yourself. Um, you know, like I spend too much, I spent, I should say spent, I've changed this a little bit, but like putting too much, giving food too much power, you know, and not enjoying it because it was like, should I be eating this? Shouldn't I? I allowed it to have too much, too much power. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You can, it can still have power but you can shift the way the power, the power it has. So 
what I mean by that is you would allow it to take up too much space. You know, yep. like what is food going to do to me? Like yep. in a negative way, am I going to feel bloated? You know, am I going to have guilt? Whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Am I going to, you know, um, be tired, exhausted? All the things that we think about when we are telling us that we shouldn't have or we shouldn't eat. But if you think about food in a different way and think about all the things it can do for you, you know, you we this whole last whatever two plus years we've been focused on immunity, so it can help with your immune health, right? It gives you energy to live your whole life that, you know, it can impact your mood, which I get into in the book too. And so there's so many things food does. I mean, it like keeps us alive, obviously, but if you just make that little shift, what it can do for you, it it changes everything. It sure does. It sure does. It was, that's why I was so into this book because I had already kind of done some of this work, but you asked me to like, and, and the reader, whoever else reads your book and, and actually puts, does the work. You, you kind of, you made me think about things that I didn't normally think about and how it does all re, re, just live in my food story. So uh, let me ask you this next question. So why do you think then women, and, and I'm sure some men as well, are so messed up when it comes to food and dieting? Ooh, okay. Um, That's a loaded question, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> it is because, well, we, we were talking about this a little bit before, I think. Yep you know, I don't want people to like blame their parents or caretakers or whoever their main person who like, you know, they were with around meal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, we, our understanding of, of the things that we would say to a child, for example, changes. And so I know that there's probably things that I've done as a mom that, you know, in 10 years from now, it, like, the philosophy will be different. I'm like, I can't believe I did it. So I want to start with like, we should like think of every, you know, give people credit and think that it was well-intentioned or coming from a place of love. Right. But just, I, I know for me, like my mom, everything was fat free and her friends all oh cared God. about being skinny. And so I got those messages, you know, yep. growing up and it wasn't about me. And I'm going to give another example from my own um, food stories that my dad had a sleep eating problem, which is probably oh, yeah, not... right about this. Yeah, yeah. So the refrigerator, it's not... right? Exactly. So, yeah. so it had nothing to do with me or my brother or sister. But he would wake up in the middle of the night, go eat, come back to bed, and wake up in the morning feeling terrible and have no i like no recollection of the actual act of getting up and going and doing that. So his solution was to lock the refrigerator. But as a kid, yeah, we, we learned what that, yes, yeah. a, that was embarrassing when yeah. friends came over, but yep. also even deeper than that was that we learned that food was kept under lock yeah. and, key, and it was something you needed to control. And that wasn't the message my parents wanted to give, or my dad even thought about us when he decided to do it. But you can see how things from your childhood affect you. And also, I mean, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is just the messages that we receive all the time from whether it was magazines when you were growing up, depending on your age, you know, to like social media now. I mean, I I can't even imagine what the young girls, you know, just with, with everything we have coming at us. So, you know, and the, the whole diet culture and there's, you know, a big movement of anti-diet culture, but the diet, diet culture wants you to believe that, you know, you need to change that. You're not, you know, things you're not good enough. I'm going to put that in diet culture. They've just reframed it. 
they were just right. And, right. Exactly. Yeah. And we're still yeah. getting all those, those yeah. messages, but we have more awareness of it. So yeah. that's what I think has changed, but all of those things come together and that they affect your relationship with food. And I also think that the collective conversation has changed to being healthy from being thin or skinny that people. Yeah. I mean, you never hear anybody talk about low fat anymore. And and remember, like I was all about snack well cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, I I just wanted, so I I did this. It's like you have, it's it's like Mad Libs in your book to me. Um, Remember Mad Libs? Uh, My current food story. And I I wanted to kind of share it. Is that okay? Of course. I love that. And you know, I know someone else called it Mad Libs too, but the, and it's really hard to just give the reader a blank piece of paper to say, no, okay, you write, need to write your, write your yeah. food story. And so you can, nothing will prevent you from going and writing more, but this is just the Yeah, but I wrote piece. it in fun, so we're in trouble. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you, can write, you can write more. Okay, I can't so, wait to hear it. Okay. okay All right. It says my current food story, and I wrote by Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I was born in, and I wrote in Buffalo, New York, and raised by my blank, my parents. Uh, as a child, my parents had a messed up relationship with food. And I want to say it was really my, my dad, my mom. My dad wasn't as messed up, a little bit. And um, I grew up watching them do things like binge and purge, my mom, uh, which often caused me to feel like food made you sick. That's what I was taught. I mean, that's how I took it when I was very little. From my childhood teen years and early adult life, one negative memory I have about food is, and then I wrote in, there was a blank, and I wrote, I knew how many calories were in an egg at the age of 10. And a lot of other foods. One positive memory I have about food is, and I wrote, I could pick any restaurant I wanted to go to for my birthday and order whatever I wanted without guilt. Although I do have guilt for that. Many factors, including my family of origin, friends, mentors, my cultural and economic reality, the media, and the generational trauma have shaped my current beliefs about food. Currently, when it comes to food, I believe, I often notice myself thinking as things like, now, I kind of wrote this how I was thinking about a year ago. I have kind of changed a little bit of this, but I thought it's, you know, a little bit more interesting and it is really, you know, it is my fiber. Um, I love food so much. It's my one addiction. Uh, I recognize that some of these beliefs may not be helpful or even true. Currently, when it comes to food, I often engage in behaviors that I'd like to release, such as, and I answered, binging and then feeling like shit and a failure. (laughs) Um, I recognize that I have the power to change these patterns, and I do now. Um, Overall, when it comes to food, I feel, I was feeling confused and panicked because I was gaining weight and I couldn't, my old tricks and tips and tricks weren't working anymore as I became uh, menopausal. I'm tired of thinking of food all the time. I don't enjoy being so controlled by what I eat. That's what I answered. I take responsibility for my current food story. I understand that the only person who can change my story is me. I get to decide which parts of my story I want to keep and carry forward in the future and which parts I want to change or release. I forgive my parents for, and I wrote, fucking me up, but not completely. I know they never meant to harm me. They were doing their best with the knowledge and resources they had. And that's really nice that you let, you know, we get to let that, let that go. I forgive myself for, and I wrote, taking so long to let it go. I too was just doing my best. I understand that forgiveness is a gift from myself to myself. Oh my gosh, I'm getting teary. (laughs) So am I. You're the, you're the first person who's read that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a gift that helps. I'm getting actually a little emotional, but probably because my parents are gone. 
it's a, it's a gift that helps me feel emotionally lighter with forgiveness. I'm unburdening myself so that beautiful things can happen and more quickly going forward. I'm excited to give my body the love and attention it deserves. I'm excited to step into a new relationship with food, cooking and my health and well-being. I'm excited to try not, and I wrote not being held captive. I'm excited to start believing and thinking. And I wrote, it's time to release the power and need to control. And I'm excited. And I wrote to feel dot, dot, dot free. And now I'm like crying. Oh my God. That is so beautiful, Lauren. And it's just, oh my gosh. gosh, that was not expected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because so much of my relationship with food and, and I told you earlier that my friends, I, have, I still have some friends to this day that said, Lauren, we are so surprised you weren't a giant anorexic or not giant, tiny anorexic, I should say. And that I didn't have huge eating disorders because my mom was completely messed up. There was never food in my house. And so I would go over to a friend's house and like rip into Doritos and everything else that they had. I, you know, I wasn't allowed to have that. Yeah. You know? but, but one thing I want to say to you, and we should talk a little bit about it and how it feels, if it feels cathartic. I want to. It does. I wrote. I wrote cathartic next to this. Yeah. So the release, because that's been inside of you for so long. Yeah. Um. But I, I love that that you. I love how you answered it, and I could tell that like you put everything into it. Um. But don't. Does it feel better, even though it was fill in the blanks? Like that was encompassed a lot of your the you know, from your past to who you are now in relationship to food and all of that. And now I wrote, I actually wrote down um, in my notes when I was going to talk to you, like your food story to write it down. I wrote, it was so cathartic to write it down because you think it, but to like put it down and then come back to read it because I filled this out a while ago, like, you know, a few, like a couple weeks ago, I'd say. And so this is the first time I've actually reread it and I read it to you. And this time it made me kind of cry. You know, which it didn't last time. It made me kind of laugh because I'm like, oh, that's, you know, haha, my parents fucked me up. Like, that's kind of funny, but it's not, you know, <laughs> today it wasn't funny. But have, do you forgive them? Because I think, I think that if you, you need to process your emotions around this because it's right now stored unless, you know, it, you've already released it, but it's for most people, it's stored in their body. You know, yeah. and yeah. and we we need to. It doesn't mean you forget that it happened or no. that it's not a part of who you are, because it always will be ingrained in an integral part. But releasing the um, releasing just all those feelings that are more negative, or the blame and the shame and the you know anger, even you know that it it's harmful for you to keep it inside. It is. And, and, you know, the thing is, I, I mean, my mom's been gone for two years now and I did talk to her about this because I watched her body fall apart because she was so obsessed with being thin that she like didn't eat and she was malnourished and she like drank her calories and wine. And I'm like, I watched her body just like disintegrate because well, other reasons than just her diet, but I knew that that played a big part in it. And I finally said to her, so mom, this is what happens to your body when you, when you eat the way you do and you nourish yourself, you have, you know, this is, I I explained it to her and I'm like, I don't, I let her know. I don't do that anymore. Like I don't, and I haven't for a while. I may have my own issues, 
and I'm trying not to pass them on to my children, you know, because I can see my younger son now is very concerned. He's like, mom, will you stop buying chips? Because, you know, I am trying to get, and I'm like, dude, you're 10 years old. (laughs) Eat the damn chips if you feel like it. Like, I don't want you to, I mean, I don't keep a ton of junk food, but like, I I want them to have some snacks if they want them. You know, I'm like, you know, and then my other kids addict, like he'll, he'll mainline sugar if you let them, you know, like, it's like, I've got two polar opposites, but I'm like, you're 10. Like, you, you should not be thinking this way. That's messed up. Like, stop it. You're be a child. And if you want some chips, eat some chips. You know? <laughs> like, come on. Um, but obviously he's kind of watching me a little bit, you know, and he knows that I, you know, I keep track of things. Like I, I use my fitness pal, mostly because I'm trying, as I explained to you earlier, I'm eating a lot more protein now. I'm not doing it as much. Well, I am doing it somewhat for the calories, but I'm not eating, I'm eating at a slight calorie deficit, but I'm not doing something like, you know, eating a thousand calories a day. I'm not doing anything. I'm actually eating, but I want to know how much protein I'm getting. So I do write stuff down and he sees that. Well, maybe you could explain that to him. I do. do. Yeah. I think that just having like open conversations and, you know, that was what the biggest wake up call for me in my food story was when I realized that like your food story is not your own. You know, we think, Mm -hmm. We think like, you know, whatever's going on in our head or whatever, you know, we're dealing with internally that it doesn't affect everyone, but everything's energy and people pick up on it. Your kids pick up on it and, you know, not to put so much pressure on parents, but the way you are around food will get passed down. It doesn't mean that they are going to do, you know, it's going to be some part of their food story. Yeah, no, I see. I know, but I'm like, I'm making sure that my, my son, I'm like, stop thinking like that, you know, and he'll know it's going to be some of it. I won't get through, you know, or or maybe there's a positive in it that he is like, he wants to nourish his body. So instead of making it about restriction, like what, you know, like finding foods that would feel really good to him, you know? So, so that you're just flipping that switch a little bit. So the conversation is the more empowering instead of like restricting. Yeah. I have him come into the kitchen with me and we cook together and, you know, I want him to see, you know, he's like, I like potatoes. Is that bad? I'm like, not at all. You know, can we, we have more potatoes? I'm like, sure. I had this um, podcast guest on my, my podcast and she talked about um, that she uses the term growth foods that help you grow and foods that don't help you grow. So instead of the good and bad, yeah, I like it a lot. I like that too. See yeah. a little, a little change of perspective there. Just a slight little tweak. It can change the whole, I'm going to do that. I'm going to yeah, do that and, with them. And it's fine to like, well, you know what it's like. And I'm, I came from the same place where you, if you aren't allowed to have those foods that don't let, help you grow, then when you go to the friend's house who has, like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. So there is that, you know, we used to keep like candy in our basement. And so the kids at the beginning, they were just like, oh my God, candy. Whoa, what happened to mom? You know, and then, and then they started eating you, you know, they started seeing it all the time. So it was no, it was no longer like that coveted food or it wasn't restricted. And neither of mine eat candy now. I mean, maybe they do sometimes, but you know what I'm saying? They don't have a yeah. sugar issue or whatever. And I think it prevented them from going crazy when they went elsewhere because they could have candy if they wanted it, but oh know, yeah, but they didn't want it. Oh yeah. So, as soon as my parents went out of town, um, I like whoever was babysitting us, I'd be like, okay, I want Kraft macaroni and cheese. I want Doritos and I yeah. want chicken wings and I want pizza and I want some you know, I, I, cookies. And I like, you know, of course she 
got it for us because that's what I asked for. And saying I would all come into the house and it had to be gone when my parents got back. My mom couldn't know, you know, and then it, it, it was crazy. But then I'd go over to a girlfriend's house. It's like the same thing. They don't want me to watch TV. I didn't watch TV at my house, but I watched everybody else's house. Right. And, you know, we could take that um, analogy to how restriction doesn't work doesn't you know, work for, for us nope. women, you know, like, so nope. if you, if you restrict, 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 there's going to be a point in time where your just body's going to want the energy, going to want the sugar, going to want, you know, because it, it's just homeostasis. It wants yeah. to, you know, be put yeah. back to normal. Yeah. So we know that that doesn't work. Well, I, I, I so we, we'll bring it back to, the, to your food, you know, the food story. Can you tell us what the food story method is, like in a nutshell? Like what yeah. I just did? <laughs> yeah, so I divide my, if, you know, that question is interesting because it, it is a little bit, you know, everybody has their own process, but because I was writing a book, mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, I adapted to depending on different clients, but the food story method is just five different parts um, where I talk about, how you discover your food story. So you mentioned chapter two and the limiting beliefs. Those are all part of the discovery process. Mm-hmm. And the next part is, um, <laughs> the next, the next part is release what no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. And so that's really about getting in touch with your old food story and doing what you just did. You yep. know, thinking about the things that are no, like I like to, this. I say this one thing all the time. That's not true for me now. You know, like, Ooh, I so, like that. Right. It's, yeah. it's not true for me now. Gross, yeah. So that's also about, you know, something you had mentioned um, without calling it this, but it's about learning how to quiet the food noise. It's about, you know, acknowledging what your inner dialogue is and not bringing that stress to the table. And then, then the next part of the food story method is how reconnecting back to your body. So that's really about tapping into the relaxation response, which makes everything in your life so much clearer and better, you know? And that doesn't mean like lying on the couch and relaxing. That means, you know, tuning down the, like turning the volume down to the negative talk and things like that. And so also you mentioned, we had talked about like thinking about all the things food can do for you instead of to you. Yes. I was going to I wanted to move into that, how you can use food to actually boost your mood and boost a lot of things. Yeah, let me yeah. just say, so there's two more parts to, oh, um, sorry, sorry. to the food story <laughs> method. So then then it's all about like actually writing your food story. And I think that's where it gets really fun. Like, and you know, and that and that can mean so many different things for different people. It's customizable. But yep. really the, the bottom line, one thing that every person who's rewriting their food story needs to do is learn to make themselves the priority. And that doesn't mean you're selfish. It doesn't mean you don't care about your family, your partner, your roommates, your job. But if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not going to be showing up well in all those areas of your life. Absolutely. And, um, and then living your new food story, you know, that's the fun part. And so with that also is the realization that you're human, you know, yes. and that and that it's not going to be perfect all the time. That We'll you, have some days where we slip and that's okay. That's yep, okay. and your hormones change, yep. pandemics happen you know, circumstances in life, there's parties, there's holidays, there's grandma's favorite, you know, your favorite meal of grandma's. And so just allowing yourself kind of to evolve, to change with the seasons or, you know, the stages of your life and, you know, have a flexible food story and not have it be rigid. 
You know what I love at the end, you, you share recipes, but it's not just recipes, it's rituals. And you break them into how you want your food to make you feel. So if you want to feel more focused, you have recipes for that. You want to feel happy. You've got recipes for that. And it's such a unique and interesting way to break it down. Sensual, you've got recipes for that. And um, I, I got to tell you, oh, and calm. I love that one. I tried, you're going to maybe laugh or maybe be excited, but I did your, your chocolate meditation. Oh, I'm so glad you did Using, that. wait a minute, using your recipe in here for the chocolate bark, the dark chocolate. That's amazing. So yeah. the chocolate meditation is an Yeah, explain that so people understand because it's really cool. It's, it's weird sounding at first, but it's actually really cool. Yeah, and I want to hear about your experience with it. Okay. What it is in a nutshell is that it's really an, an exaggerated exercise to help you bring your senses to the table and to be fully present. And so some people might call it mindfulness. I kind of stay away from those buzzword terms that I think at this point in our lives, when we've read so much, they just make our, you know, we, it's eye roll, like, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's, so it's really about like just feeling the chocolate, tasting the chocolate, like noticing all the nuances. And it's so powerful. And it just, it really, and I want to hear if you have this reaction, but it really shows you how we're not fully present. Because totally. you're, like yep. the chocolate will taste so different when you do the meditation versus when you're just like kind of eat the chocolate on the way out the door or whatever. And so um, I love doing this exercise. I do it with every single workshop I do. I try to do it with clients, you know, just so like they can understand and then bring that feeling into their lives. So tell me, Lauren, what was it like when you did it? Well, first of all, I have to say what really got me was to make this chocolate pistachio bark with freeze-dried raspberries. So you had me at that. So- um, and it's only got like, it's only five ingredients. So it's, you know, dark chocolate, freeze-dried raspberries that you crush up, roasted pistachios that are chopped up and some orange zest, which you said is optional, but I did it. And some sea salt, which of course I added to because I like all the things and I made it super easy to make. And then like I sat down and I, I read what you wanted me to do. And um, so, yeah, normally if I want a piece of chocolate, I eat the chocolate and I, you know, enjoy it, but I don't like really think about it. You know, I eat it. Yeah. Right, and, like all of us. And I have to be honest, I'm I'm typically more of a um, milk chocolate kind of gal, but I, I did, I have been embracing dark chocolate because my husband likes it and I find I don't eat as much of it. You know, a little goes a long way to me with dark chocolate. So I'm learning to like dark chocolate. It's, you know, and this was delicious, by the way. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of, I had to keep opening my eyes to like read what I was supposed to Yeah, I know. That part's really hard. I thought about like putting a QR code in the book, but I'm like, who's really going to do that? You know, where I it might be, it. it might, I don't know. I mean, I think I had, I read it and then I reread it and then I tried to remember everything. But I think I, like while I was doing it, I was thinking like, did I get everything? You know, <laughs> it's almost like I, I would have liked it to be a little more for me, somebody reading it to me, but I did it. And what I, what I remember is that it tasted, I, of course I tasted the chocolate after I made it, you know, and like not doing the meditation. It tasted so different to me when I was doing the meditation. It's amazing. Yeah. You, and you just noticed, well, you had so many different flavors going with the orange zest and the raspberry yeah. and the pistachios. And it's just really like, it, it just makes such a difference when we slow down and we don't, it's, I've been using this a lot, but we don't eat and you know, we don't eat and check our phone. We don't eat and run out the door. We don't eat and scroll through social media. We don't eat and watch TV. But when we just eat 
And I know that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And, yep. you, you know, you sometimes you're eating and having conversations. That's fine. But just having, you know, a couple once or twice a day that just eating and noticing and noticing what makes you feel good and what makes you feel full or satiated right. or what doesn't feel good. Those are all really important parts of rewriting your food story because we don't do that. You know, we we're just multitaskers, you know, are, and that's are, a whole nother conversation on the, yeah, wait, I'm trying to find the talk. Wait, why am I not finding it now? It's in chapter eight at the, it's the exercise in chapter eight. I can, I'm not sure what, what page that. Oh, okay. Hold on. Cause I just kind of want to really, okay. That's chapter 10. So why, oh, here it is. The chocolate meditation found it. I should have marked the page. I, I did. I did with a highlighter, but I didn't bend. I didn't dog ear it. So, um, it's a, you write, it's the chocolate, it's called the chocolate meditation. And you take a few pieces of chocolate, ideally high quality, dark chocolate, and you sit in a comfortable place on the floor. And you, the story is like, make sure you're sitting comfortably, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths. I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Um, keep breathing slowly and deeply, feel like the ground, the furniture beneath you next. You want to see if you, a sound that's much closer, maybe, you know, so you're going to concentrate on the sounds around you. And then the sound of your own breath, and then you're staying in a relaxed place. You then take some of the chocolate. You pick it up in your hand. You feel the weight. You observe its shape and color, touch and feel. Then you bring the chocolate to your nose and you inhale it deeply. And then you eventually place the piece of chocolate in your mouth. And as you begin to slowly chew, observe any burst of flavor, subtle or strong. Hold the chocolate in your mouth for as long as possible, exploring the taste. Roll the chocolate around against the roof of your mouth. And I'm kind of, this, it's a little longer than this. I'm just reading. Yeah, yeah. And also you would say it like, now roll the chocolate in your mouth. Right. <laughs> you want to bring like a sense of peace. I'm like, I'll do calm. this. Right. And then even as you're eating this piece of chocolate, you might feel a desire to quickly reach for another. That would be me. Um, okay, but- that's, that one sentence, I have yep. to stop you. Yep. Is so many people, like, it's funny because when I did it in a yoga studio, I almost cut it out. And yep. then a bunch of people said, wow, that really, really resonated with me because that's how I eat. I'm yep. thinking about the next, the next serving, the next bite and that. So I've never cut that out since then because it, it resonated so hard with people. Oh no, it's great. And then you say, finally, when the chocolate is gone, bring your attention back to your senses and notice. And that's like when you, if there's a residual taste and close your eyes once more and take deep breaths in and out, it was, it was very cool. Um, and then you want to like, think of in a few minutes, how you're able to quiet your mind, tune into your senses and feel what was happening in the moment. I was great. I mean, I never thought of doing like a, a meditation with chocolate. And I think we all should do it <laughs> like every day. Well, maybe you and I should do an Instagram live. <gasps> Let's do it. Oh my God. That'd be awesome. Let's do yeah. that. Okay. We'll do I'll make, that. We'll, we'll plan that we'll make the bark and we'll do it. Oh yeah. yeah that's a great idea. Give people the recipe for the bark and if they want to come with the bark, you know, <gasps> to the live with the bark. I love we'll do that. that. Okay, oh my so gosh. Wheels tuned. are turning. Okay. So yeah. I, I know we should probably wrap this up as, as much as I want to talk to you forever. And there are so many questions I want to ask you and I didn't get to them. Um, uh, well, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, oh, first of all, do you find that it's mostly women that relate to this or have you, are you finding more men? I'm just curious if men are as messed up as women are about food. You know, I, it's interesting. You, I felt like I needed to write this for women because right. that's my experience. And I wanted to talk about like the whole mother, you know, just, just, I don't, it just, I felt better about writing it for women, even though I have two sons and a husband and obviously my dad, I've shared part of his food story. But, you know, when I've given it 
to like people, men in my life, you know, like a lot of them have said, why isn't this for me? I have a food story. Or of course, we're all affected. We get the messages. They might be different messages, but we definitely get the messages. But I just picked, I had to stick with women. But I do, I do think that men have a food story. And also, like if your husband, for example, his food story affects you, right? And your food story affects him. Yeah. And it affects your kids. Yep. Yep. I so agree. we're we're all connected. I mean, and that's the thing, but we can start shifting the conversation. I think, you know, that that the women are usually, I mean, I don't want to like be stereotypical here with like food, but you know, we oftentimes are the cooks in the house and the, oh, for you know, sure. the, yes. going to the, and this doesn't mean everyone and I don't I, I really don't want to like get myself in trouble for being like you know, assuming, but if statistically speaking, you know, statistically, yes, I, I admire my, I, I am so jealous of my friends whose husbands cook. Mine's not one of them. <laughs> right. Or like, you know, you don't know what a partner situation is, whatever, but, right, right. We, but, but the point is that we, it can start with us. You know, we can change this conversation. It needs it, to change. It needs to change. Time. The thing, the thing that bothers me the most is that people think it's okay because it's always been this way. So it's okay to feel beat yourself up all the time. It's okay to, you know, not have like inner peace when it comes to food. It's okay to like, you know, think about, oh shoot, do I have to go to this party because they're going to serve things that I don't want? And we, we feel like it's okay because it's always been that way. And I'm here to say it's not okay. And it feels so much better when you have all that energy that you're using towards food in a negative way to go towards your life in a positive way. And yeah, go towards life that. instead of running from it. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and like you shared with me all the things that, the way that food affected you and has affected you and lo- and now you feel free. Mm-hmm. Like, I, if nobody else reads the book and I just know that it affected you, like, I feel, like <laughs> I feel so happy. I feel accomplished. I feel like this Aww. is what I wanted and, and why I wrote the book. Ah, well, you made me, it made me cry today, which was shocking to me. Um, Okay, let me, well, I'll end with this one last question. If you had only one piece of advice to give women, what would it be? Oh, I think what I just shared was okay. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, Change one, the conversation. Piece of, right. one piece of advice. Okay, I'm going to take it from my my favorite chapter. In the, no, it's not my favorite. I like all parts of the book, but that... Um, oh, I have so many things I want to say. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to say that if I have one piece of advice that to do what it takes, noticing, tuning in to change how you show up at the table, to make sure that that conversation in your head is as nourishing as the food you're putting on your plate. I love that was perfect. Perfect. I love that. That's what I tapped into today. That's, and if I asked you this question tomorrow, you might give me a different answer. But hey, today, that's a good one. I'd love it. I also like that you said, that's not true for me now. That is like, that was a really uh, freeing statement that I'm going to be using. I say it over and over. I will. And also just because you once believe something doesn't mean it's true for you now. But that that's not true for me now is so empowering. And you could have that as your response to that, that, what do you call it? The meanie? The, the mean girl, the mean girl. Yeah, the mean girl. Mean girling yourself. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. Oh my gosh, I love the work you're doing, Lauren. I, I love your voice. I love how vulnerable you are and how much you oh, shared. You. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, I loved having, I was really looking forward to this. I really was because the book really, as you can see, it touched me deeply because, you know, I think, I think we need, listen, I had these, this experience with food growing up. You had this experience. There are many, many, many women and men who have had basically their beliefs in food completely fucked up and wired from their, you know, from birth basically. And it's up to us to grant ourselves, give ourselves the power to change it, you know? And, um, I always believe that, well, you know, that knowledge is, is, is wealth and, and we can never, I, I always find like when I learn something, I can't unlearn it. So it changes me every, every podcast I've done something about it changes me a little bit hopefully for the better. <laughs> I hopefully. love that. Well, you're having such deep conversations, right? Sometimes I am. Some, some are better than others. This is one of the better ones, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to, do you have anything else you want to say before I wrap it up? No, I think you're, you're great. And um, I like how you're just, you know, having people look inside and that you do it in a fun way too, though. You know, well, like- I don't think we should take ourselves too seriously all the yeah. time. It's not, a lot. And thank you. I, I really wasn't asking for you to like, you know, give me accolades. By no, any- no, no, it's good. And then if anybody wants to read the book that you please, I was going to mention times- that. I was going to mention it's called Food Story, Rewrite the Way You Eat, Think and Live. And where can people find you? You also have your website. My which- website's my name, which is elisemuselis.com. I'm yep. now Elise Muselis on all social media yep. platforms and, and Instagram is definitely the place where I'm most active. And then my podcast, which yes. hopefully you will come on as a guest, is oh. Once Upon a Food Story. I would love to. And at State, we will we are going to do an Instagram live with a chocolate meditation coming soon. I will let everybody know. Um, all the information, everything will be linked in the show notes. So you can please order, order this book. It's been just really fabulous for me to fill it out. And it's really kind of helped me, you know, move on basically. Close that chapter, so to speak. And um, that's very freeing. And it's time to live out, you know, the second half of my life not being so consumed with my old food story and a new one, using a new one. There you go. There you go. Okay, so I'm just going to wrap it up now. Thank you so much. This has been great. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly, so please contact Lauren at foundof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Okay, take care, everyone, and uh, change that food story and your old beliefs and move into the next chapter of your life. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much.